0: You're listening to The Social Workers on WCDB Albany.
1: Welcome to a special segment of The Social Workers Radio Talk Show. I'm your co-host Alyssa Latmore. Today we're here with the authors of the new book titled Production of Disaster and Recovery in Post-Earthquake Haiti. We have UAlbany School of Social Welfare professor, Dr. Loretta Piles, and also a UAlbany School of Social Welfare alumna, Dr. Juliana Svutsthova. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. So before we jump into the questions, I'm going to share brief backgrounds on each of you to highlight your expertise in this area. So Dr. Juliana Svutsthova earned her PhD in social work and MSW from the University at Albany. She is an assistant professor in the Department of Social Work at Cunston University of Pennsylvania. Her scholarship is concerned with community development and participatory approaches to social change and in local and transnational contexts. She also studies organizational dimensions of policy implementation and practice. Dr. Svistova has focused, a focused interest in disasters, interpretation of natural disasters, and result in policy, practice, and grassroots responses to these events. She is a community-engaged, interdisciplinary scholar in the fields of social work, policy, public health, and education. Dr. Loretta Piles is a professor at the School of Social Welfare at the University of Albany and is also a yoga and meditation teacher, workshop leader, and organizational consultant. Her new books are Healing Justice, Holistic Self-Care for Changemakers, and the book that we will be discussing today. Her research on disasters and resilience has been funded by the National Science Foundation. She is also the author of Progressive Community Organizing, Reflective Practice in a Globalizing World, and co-editor of Holistic Engagement, Transformative Social Work Education in the 21st Century. So very good backgrounds, very good bios, and I'm really excited to hear about this new book that you guys just, that's just published. So let's just jump right in. What are the main findings of your study about post-earthquake Haiti? Yeah, it's uh,
2: it's a really exciting, I think, piece of scholarship and it comes out of our work studying the discourses of disasters. So we're looking at uh, media discourse, NGO discourse, policy discourse. And our key finding is really that disasters uh, are socially produced based on the systemic conditions um, that exist and the um, historical patterns that prefigure the disaster. And so we argue in it that basically what's happening is Um, what we're calling a disaster industrial complex, that the disaster is used as an opportunity to further the agendas of elites and it's not as participatory and needs-based as we would um, tend to want to think it is in terms of the real needs of um, survivors. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So based on, we have very um, extensive amount of data that we analyzed and we have been doing the work um, from 2012 starting in 2000 actually after the earthquake you involved you got involved first and um, we analyzed texts and discourses of different actors involved in disaster recovery and we're finding a lot of patterns around how um, People were engaged, uh, local people were engaged in disaster recovery or lack thereof. Um, How some of the social relations and what we call neo colonial relationships were uh, perpetuated through some of the practices, like people earning, local people earning the. money um, on a local level while international people who came, international foreign workers who came in were making money based off their country, um, how the division of labor was um, split up. So local people were cleaning the toilets and cleaning the rubble while the um, um, foreign workers were supervisors and administrators and um leaders um so to speak um, we also found a lot of um really the the importance of discourse and um, the embedded power in the discourse is what we want this book to communicate that we we shouldn't be pushing away all oh, narratives don't matter we shouldn't be discussing this we need to act right because it's disaster and we need to address it immediately because it's a crisis situation but it seems like um, Understanding narratives, understanding discourses, understanding the images that are perpetuated about um, people in the developing world, about developing countries is very important in how what actions we take and what um, policies are developed. Um, and um, that, I guess, for us is one of the most important findings, and I guess that's how we contribute to social work literature and disaster literature as it's, it's, uh, it's such.
2: And maybe I'll jump in and give an example mm-hmm. of that. And so we see, what we find, and we found this in um, our study of other disasters, is that more and more we're seeing militarized interventions in di- disasters. We see militaries show up. In the case of Haiti, um, the United Nations already had a presence there. Um, but other foreign militaries showed up, and in terms of the discourses, we would see lots of discourses of um, Haitian um, earthquake survivors um, as looters or they're violent people, um, or you know they're so hungry they're going to do anything when they bring the relief to them that they're going to be hostile, um, and so all of these narratives, um, we argue. Um, contribute to are part of this um, social production of the disaster in that they pave the way for military intervention so when you have these stories of people these kinds of images then it makes sense from a policy perspective oh well, then of course we need military in there to keep the peace to keep people under control uh, etc so that's that's part of it and then we argue that that paves the way for um, some of the uh, kinds of profiteering that goes on in Haiti in terms of people coming in and seeing it as an opportunity um, to make money um, off of the disaster and creating what what, uh, many people call a new Haiti um, mm-hmm. Rebuilding and building back better, rebuilding Haiti, um, and this narrative is another kind of narrative that we question. You know, um, building back better for whom? You mm-hmm. know, in in whose um, under whose agenda?
0: And what does better mean for mm-hmm. whom? Right. Mm-hmm. There are so many ways to interpret it from different angles, and um, not necessarily everyone agrees on what better is. And that was one of the other findings that we. Um, um, Re- that was revealed through our analysis of the documents
1: now this earthquake I mean, you just said it was 2012 um, 2010 um, 2010, 2010 yeah it's been eight years eight years and um, the impact is still being felt today and this book you're using Haiti but this can be applied I'm sure to all of the you know, there's been so many disasters since that time and how how is the the re, the aftermath? What is the aftermath for the people there? I'm sure this can be applied to other types of disasters and other locations. Absolutely, yes. The um, the developing
0: countries, absolutely, and how disasters are handled. Um, when we're talking about um, vulnerable people, um, uh, people who are poor, and how situations are handled um, in in those kinds of contexts. Um, but also we are actually the study started as a comparison to New Orleans and to Louisiana in the effects of Hurricane Katrina mm-hmm. um, and it was interesting that we saw pretty similar narratives um, in the media particularly um, mm-hmm. to to, um, to how disaster was portrayed and constructed in
2: in haiti as well so certainly it does apply um and yeah we're very interested in looking at to see if if our theory of the disaster industrial complex was is going to apply in other contexts it, you know as you know there was a very um hefty uh uh Hurricane season this last mm-hmm. fall okay. uh, between Texas, Florida, and Puerto mm-hmm. Rico it was it was sort of unreal and we saw many of these things playing out just as observers. Um, noticing the way um, you know the media portrays those concept those those realities for folks and how that impacts um, the interventions that that happen and and Puerto Rico is a really good example mm-hmm. of you know very vulnerable population um, not getting the resources they need they're still struggling with um, with uh with electricity and so and and of course other things as well so so yeah we we think it's very um very relevant
1: so why why haiti i mean there's been so many disasters what was particularly about haiti that was an interest to you Yeah, um,
2: well, actually, I always had an interest in Haiti. Um, When I was a graduate student, I remember reading um, about Haiti and reading about um, the culture and um, the spiritual and religious traditions there, and about the revolution. And so I was always intrigued with Haiti. Um, but interestingly, the story is that in 2010, I went to submit all of my materials for my tenure case. And I turned all my materials in. This was January 2010. The ver- and, I, and I had built my case on Hurricane Katrina. My whole tenure case was a lot of publications around Hurricane Katrina. And I thought, well, gosh, what am I going to do now? What am I going to focus on now? And the very next day, the Haiti earthquake happened and I just got really intrigued with what was going on um, down there and a couple weeks uh, later, a man named Father Joseph Philippe, who's a Haitian priest, uh, came to Albany. He came to UAlbany on the uptown campus and he gave a talk about what was going on and it turns out he has a long-term relationship with the Archdiocese of um, of Albany and that there'd been a partnership all these years. And I went up to him after his talk and told him I was I do you know, research in disasters, and is there anything um, I could do to help? Um, and he invited me to Haiti in that moment. And so I um, went to Haiti a couple weeks later, oh. and uh, when I got there in February, there were still aftershocks from the original earthquake still happening, and, and it was um, just a, a profoundly impactful experience for me in terms of um, not only of course the, the extreme devastation of the earthquake, an earthquake that um, is estimated to have killed anywhere between 60,000 up to 300,000 people, no one really knows. Um, but uh, And then just starting to learn more about Haiti in terms of the Haitian people and um, the beautiful geography and the culture and um, getting to learn all about the solidarity and strengths in those communities. So uh, that's how I got involved. And then in 2012, that's
0: why we mentioned that date, um, Loretta got a National Science Foundation grant, and I have been bugging her to work with her, um, so she as when I was a PhD student here at U Albany, um, and she graciously hired me to be um, coordinator slash research assistant for the project. Uh, my interest is I'm originally from Latvia, and I am I consider myself a global citizen and interested very much interested in international social work, in um, international social development, and so the fit was pretty good um, right there. I actually went with Loretta on a study. Up, it was a um, school-related trip to New Orleans in 2009. And so there was that, you know, relationship there and um, common is- interest. And um, I, I I was really excited to learn and work in a different culture, um, combine my um, education as a doctoral student and research and um, I think I had the best experience in my cohort. <laughs> well,
1: I mean just the, the background it's not like you just wrote a book and had no you, even from the beginning Loretta involved and invested in understanding what was going on in Haiti and, and actually going there and having this connection so that's is that can you see that in your book a little bit? Definitely, yeah, it comes through. Yeah, even though
2: interestingly, we do focus on kind of data sources that aren't necessarily based on our field work. We have anecdotes in here about our field work and our our relationships. And I think, yeah, I don't think we could have done a book like this justice without having um, been there. Juliana just came back from there. She okay. just took a group of students there, so we've been able to continue to nurture the ongoing relationships that were started back in 2010. So mm-hmm. I think that's one. One of the messages of the book is how important the nurturing transnational partnerships are, because I think part of the problem we see with NGOs are they come in, they're kind of fly-by-night. They come in and they assess and they do a little bit of programming and then they leave, um, and it's not really based on real needs and real authentic partnerships. So um, I've been so inspired by Juliana continuing this this partnership.
0: Okay. Yeah, the, in 2015, um, our partner organization um, asked me to um, do consultancy research work for their organization. This year, they wanted me to bring students and to have Haitian students and my students all together in a um, higher level education learning environment and we continue the work. It's not necessarily earthquake related anymore. It comes in here and there, but I think people have moved on and are not bringing it up um, or I don't know, it, It's it's different, it's now the future is there. Um, how do we how do we nurture this partnership? And we we have started. Uh, perhaps as one of the um, positive sides to this um, great mm-hmm. tragedy was that opportunity to build relationships and nurture it. And um, um, I don't know, keep um, send, you know introducing people to Haiti and exposing some of the injustices, and um, keep making people fall in love with mm-hmm. Haiti.
1: So why do you think scholarship on disasters in a place like Haiti is important at this moment in history? I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but is there anything that you want to add about why this is such an important piece of research right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think clearly, you know, it's, it's, it's 100% clear that um, disasters are getting more frequent and more intense, mm-hmm. and that um, particularly vulnerable people, Uh, marginalized populations uh, are gonna be the ones most impacted by disasters. And um, Haiti, Um, is an example of of a place uh, that is very vulnerable to disasters. They're actually vulnerable to other disasters, hurricanes and tropical storms and that sort of thing. So um, it's a very disaster prone uh, context. Uh, And so, yeah, I think with with climate change, we're gonna be seeing more and more disasters. And uh, I think we need to learn uh, about you know, what goes on in, in disasters and in terms of prefiguring the disaster, what are the systemic fa- factors that make people more vulnerable to um, more intensive impacts of disasters, what's going on there, uh, as well as um, you know, the, the recovery process and the ways that mm-hmm. we can do that in a way that's uh, you know, more empowering mm-hmm. and more attending to people's real needs
0: um yeah one of the other things that um i think is important to emphasize and that also is coming out of our findings is the uh, lessons learned about interventions and solutions that um, were put in place after the earthquake right again going back to that uh, we need to act quickly it's emergency it's crisis situation we need to do something right now to sort of resolve it so it's not an eyesore so that people feel content, right? So there is, um, um, you know, um, blaming, um, you know, uh, doesn't happen. Um, so some of the findings that we revealed is that solutions that were applied were kind of, solutions that have been used in previous situations, maybe not necessarily in disasters, but they were Old failed solutions that are used again and again, maybe presented as um, you, you know either new wine in old bottles or you know old wine in new bottles, whatever way you want to look at it, and it's just not working. You cannot keep um, putting you know let's build a factory and create jobs as a solution to a disaster post-disaster recovery, um, um, you know, situation. So, or uh, perhaps some of the approaches that Red Cross uses which is very emergency-like and that's their focus but perhaps we need to do we need to focus more on sustainability, we need to really think how do we not perpetuate some of the social relations, how do we not perpetuate vulnerability, vulnerability of people, vulnerability of the environment, Mm -hmm. how do we rebuild houses so that we do not destroy the environment even further to create new disasters um, soon Mm -hmm. to happen.
1: Mm -hmm. So I've been watching a lot on the news with all the disasters with Puerto Rico and everything that's been going on, And the news, the mainstream media only gives us, you know, little bits of information. It doesn't give us anything clear, close to the whole picture. And I've been going to a lot of the workshops on campus and presentations of individuals who have been going to these places and saying, you know, what needs to be done. And that message is not always given to the the, the main public. Unless you're going and sitting at these presentations or reading a book, sometimes that information isn't gotten across to mm-hmm. individuals. Like, really, what's going on there? And why is why are things happening so slowly? And why is what everything going on? So what's the message for social workers? What message the, will this book give to social workers? Because... Because as social workers, as we're trying to make change and become change agents in our society and internationally, what do we need to know to help us with, you know, the future disasters and even still dealing with the disasters that happened eight to ten years ago and mm-hmm. that are still recovering?
2: Well, social workers, you know, have been working in disasters for a long time, uh, but you know, probably not enough, and our presence isn't really felt as much as it could be. Uh, We have a real value added that we could be bringing to disasters uh, in terms of a lot of our skills and and, um, framed by our values and I'm thinking in particular of course um, social justice and being under being able to understand uh, the unique needs of marginalized and vulnerable populations in disasters Uh, Our emphasis on cultural competence. This was a big issue in Haiti Uh, many of the outside NGO actors um, didn't understand uh, the collective-oriented culture of Haiti and um, the way that decisions are made and work is done there. And so the the programs and interventions that they were bringing in, um, not only were they um, not very participatory and they were very top-down, but they weren't you know, culturally competent and really relevant to their, those communities in a lot of cases. And then finally, I'll just um, mention the value of self-determination. And so um, we really value uh, self-determination in social work, and yet from a um, global perspective, Um, The rest of the world seems to think they know what Haiti needs and uh, oftentimes are not really um, valuing their own sovereignty as a nation. And so I think social workers could be a voice for this self-determination as well.
0: Mhm. I think it ties um to like participatory processes, right? We saw a lot of um rhetoric around participation of local people, we need to get them involved, but actually in practice it seemed more more like um people were excluded or not authentically um involved right you You can say we're engaging people, but then they are again cleaning toilets and cleaning rubble right um it, um some of the meetings were held in English, so people could not participate authentically because they didn't speak the language or there was at the United Nations or other organizations um, buildings, there was um, security where people were not. So plenty of that. But um, I guess for social workers, it's related to start where they to the idea of starting where the client is. Um, so let's listen to what people's priorities are, what people's concerns are. Let's prioritize what we would address um, first and really uh, um, investing in these genuine authentic participatory processes because we. We know, and we have have heard stories of you know, um, local citizens sabotaging some of the efforts if you they were not listened to, and and yes, um, you know don't come to me and say this is what I need, this is what my problem is. I can tell you, mm-hmm. what what our problem. We are the experts, and. Um, coming from that standpoint, um, for social workers and any other recovery actor, really, I can't stress it enough, really. And I think the other thing would go back again to, uh, uh, perhaps social workers could uh, pay more attention to narratives, images, discourses, and all the power that really really is embedded in this and how all, the, the rhetoric, narratives, images, stories that we tell about places and people, how they feed, how they get uh, wired in our brains and they just stay there and get invoked, right? When we hear Haiti, what do we imagine, right? And how important it is to understand that power and to expose it and undo it and, um, you know, build other narratives, build empowering, um, uh, you know, discourses and, you um, Based on that practices to really help people,
1: so what then are the opportunities and challenges that lie ahead for social workers with regard to the themes of environmental justice, disaster, and displacement
2: well it's yeah it's interesting you you asked this right now because we just had a really um, I think successful environmental justice panel on campus uh, two days ago here. Um, at Albany, and um, really beginning to have a more in-depth conversation about what social workers can do in relation to um, environmental justice. Uh, I think as um, folks know that environmental justice is now a competency that the Council on Social Work Education is mandating that social workers be trained in uh, and so this kind of work we think fits in uh, uh, well and importantly in into that, um, and so, uh, you know, social workers need to be educated in terms of understanding the causes of environmental just injustice, uh, in terms of looking at our current economic system and the way that that um, plays into it, uh, as well as, you know, the impacts of environmental injustice. Uh, and again particularly how vulnerability is um, socially produced in our communities. Um, and then, of course, you know, the interventions. You know, what, what are the interventions that we need to be engaged in? This includes, um, you know, not only the relief and recovery work, uh, because as social workers, we're always naturally going to respond when there's a crisis, um, but what about before that? You know, what about the disaster preparedness? What about sustainability in communities in the first mm-hmm. place? Food justice, that sort of thing. So there's lots of work to be done uh, in, on this topic um, for social workers and, and everyone in the community.
0: Right, I agree. We're entering as a as a field. We're entering a completely new terrain for social workers. I um, particularly here in the United States, it has been. Um, it has been in the radar for social workers around the globe and we are very familiar with the literature in Australia, Canada, anywhere in the English speaking world but in the United States we're just starting and I hope, I really think that the CSWE putting environmental justice as one of the competencies is really exciting because now we can require environmental justice content to be taught in the classrooms. But, but I feel like we need um, preparedness. I have heard social work educators um, asking, um, kind of um, in a cynical way, well, what are you saying that environment and nature is going to be our new client? Uh, you know, that, those kinds of um, things we, we need to work with. Um, mindsets now to you know and I think education, social work education, social work classrooms um, will be an important starting point and uh, educating the educators as well as to what that means and how it might look like and how our our profession can get involved and what we can do.
1: Well, I think this book is a great start for helping to raise awareness and helping people become more familiar with really what is going on. It's not what we always see on the news. That's probably not the a, a correct, accurate portrayal of really what's happening. So this book, which again is titled, A Production of Disaster and Recovery in Post-Earthquake Haiti, Disas- Disaster Industrial Complex. It, it can be purchased, I'm assuming, on Amazon or some other different types of books. Yeah, of and the
2: Rutledge websi- website as well. It's published by Rutledge in their um, Humanitarian Studies series, and uh, yeah, you can find it there.
1: Again, today was a special segment of the Social Workers Radio talk show where we had the authors of this new book, Dr. Loretta Piles and Dr. Juliana Svitstilva. So thank you so much for being here today.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks, Alyssa.